What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, the daily news source for your 2021 World Series champion, Atlanta Braves. I, I may just, you know, whenever we do the Daily Hammer going forward, may just say that, you know, for, for, for the next several months. But I am very happy to welcome another very excited individual when it comes to the Talking Chop Podcast Network. Mr. Scott Coleman has been kind enough to join me. Scott, how are you this evening, sir? Sean, I'm doing great. It really does sound nice. The 2021 World Series champion, Atlanta Braves. You're right. I think we could say it every hour of every day this offseason, and it would never get old. Uh, and thankfully, we have some early news to talk about, an unexpected one, I think, but um, a pleasant surprise. And especially is the best part of winning the World Series is you only have to wait a couple of days, and then you're right into the offseason. That's a great point, and, and that especially comes true when it comes to an Alex Anthopoulos-led team. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer um, as part of the Talking Chop podcast network at TalkingChop.com and at, on all forms of social media at Talking Chop. Of course, you can find myself at StatsSAC. You can find Scott at Scott Coleman 55 Scott, for some reason, your Twitter handle just went away from my mind for a second. Huh. But that's where you can find all of the connections for us, but let's get right into it. The news today, Scott, um, the Braves go out and sign veteran Manny Pena um, uh, to two-year, $8 million deal, basically half of what they can uh, of what they have uh, committed to Travis Darno over the past, next two years, $3.5 million in 2022, $4.5 million in 2023, a team option for $4 million in 2024. Scott, a lot of different perspectives we can look at. Another early in November, which has been a trend for Alex Anthopoulos. But what jumps off the page to you about this move, both in terms of Pena himself and, of course, what his addition means to the roster? Yeah, I think it's a strong addition. And Manny Pena, he's 34 years old. He is a backup catcher. This is not a signing that's going to get a headline on the front page of ESPN for the next week. But I think it's a, a valuable addition uh, at a very important uh, position for the Braves, and that is catcher. And we know that when Travis Darnot has been healthy in his fairly short tenure with the Braves, uh, he has hit well. Uh, but at the end of the day, he is a 33-year-old catcher himself and has a pretty lengthy injury history. You add in Manny Pena, who is is not young by any means. He's 34, but he is very much a, a frankly, one of the, the better backup catchers in the league. He is a kind of a modern day baseball player, and what I mean by that is, is he hits a he hits almost exclusively for power. You look at his numbers last year; he hit 189, which is certainly not sexy, um, but 13 home runs in 208 plate appearances is strong. He had a walk rate above 10, percent which is strong. He also cut his strikeout rate quite a bit. 
Um, and defensively, he grades out really well. And catcher metrics can be a little funky year to year, but he has consistently been really good, at least in the eyes of fan graphs. And when you're talking about an addition for a team that is very clearly trying to win, I don't think anyone wants to be in a similar position to what the Braves just went through in 2021 uh, when Kevin Smith was starting at catcher for almost two months and overwhelmed William Contreras and out of his league, Alex Jackson, I'm sorry to say. Um, Pena is going to bring value to this team. I know he's also very highly regarded off the field and the clubhouse work that he does. Uh, so I think it's a strong addition. And for three and a half million this year and four and a half million next, I, I think it's hard to to not like this deal. Yeah, and 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 I agree uh, both, you know, and it just goes to show that, you know, it, it, Alex Anthopoulos is very, very good. At, he doesn't necessarily make the expected move, you would think, and I'm not even talking about signing Freddie Freeman. I'm talking about making a move that you really wouldn't expect, you know, going to a, a part of the team you may not expect for him to go to, but when you really break it down and break down the contract commitment, it does make some sense. But a couple of other things you mentioned, obviously, about – the Braves going through the season that they just went through. Obviously, Travis Darno also, I believe now in two of the past three years, he's had a significant injury throughout his career. You get a veteran that you've got in place that you can rely on if Darno is out. But another big ripple effect of this is now you've bought time for both William Contreras and Shea Langoliers to be able to focus on refining their games in the minors. And I also think this may be a bit overhyped part of it, but you're talking about an offensive catcher in Manny Pena who you can see having similarities to what you think William Contreras could be, you know, in terms of his production rates when he finally gets to the majors. You've got a veteran mentor, I think, also for William Contreras. And you mentioned his clubhouse aspect of things. But what do you think the addition of Pena means to the next season outlook for William Contreras and Shea Longoliers? I think that's the big question now. and. As much as we like the addition of Pena, it does uh, bring the question of what does the future hold for two of the Braves' better prospects. And to be clear, I think Contreras could certainly benefit from more time in the minors. He is not an old man by any means. And he he flashed some raw power. I think you're right. He, at least as a in in an immediate term, uh, I think Pena is probably going to provide a similar level of offensive production as Contreras. But I think it's clear that by adding Pena, the the Braves are not looking to necessarily hand over the keys to William Contreras just yet. Um, It will be very interesting to see what the front office does. I I think this at least increases the likelihood um, that one of those two catchers, Contreras or Langoliers, uh, could be traded this offseason. I I originally thought, okay, it's it's a guarantee that one of these guys are gone. They must have something in the pipeline, and, and that may be the case. I think I've backed off that thought a little bit. They may, may just really want to solidify catcher at the big league level, especially as bad as, as the product was this year. And, of course, you could not predict that Darno was going to get hurt, but it's easy to forget the Braves ranked 29th in catcher war this past season. They were negative 0.6 on the season. Uh, That's really bad, and I can promise you that's not something the front office or the coaching staff wants to go through again. Uh, So maybe it leads to a trade. Maybe it doesn't. I think as of today, um, November 15th or November 16th, when people are listening to this, I think it improves the chances that, that perhaps Contreras has moved over the next couple of months in a deal, but by no means is it a 
uh, a strong indication of how the club feels about him. I just, I just don't think the club sees him as being big league ready at this point. And I agree with you. And I think another thing that stands out about this move as well is that when you look over the pet and Manny Pena is actually looking, I know you looked into him a bit as well. I believe it was kind of odd. He actually was out of baseball, I believe from 2012 to 2016 came back after, I can't remember why it was, but came back after a three or four year absence. But since 2016, um, him and, and Travis Darno are among the top 20 catchers when it comes to OPS, you know, for catchers who have at least 1200 plate appearances. I bring that up for the reason to show that I think another thing that stands out is that the Braves are going to value as much offense as possible from each and every position in their lineup, especially with the DH now in place. And it, when Travis Darno is out, you have another offensive contributor that Pena can step right in. Maybe he doesn't have the ceiling of Darno, but it's at least decent offense for the position. I think this also continues to show that the Braves do value offense up and down the lineup, which we know certainly played a big part in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And it was tough to effectively throw away one spot in the lineup whenever Kevin Smith was in the order, Alex Jackson. Uh, that's tough to do. And you're right, the DH is going to change things up a little bit without having a crystal ball as to who the Braves will add and who they won't uh, have next year as well. Without having that that crystal ball, we don't know how the lineup is going to shake out. But you're absolutely right. Now, is Manny Pena going to go out there and be an all-star? No, probably not. But he does hit for power. You're not going to close your eyes and have to say a little prayer whenever he comes to the plate because he is a he has proven at the big league level that he is a perfectly acceptable uh, hitter, especially out of the catcher position. Um, and, and we'll see. It does give the Braves some versatility. Um, it's been said before, given the uh, physical demands that catcher brings, and then you add in uh, just trying to catch a full season in the Atlanta heat in the middle of the summer. Uh, there's a reason that as good as Brian McCann was, that he always slowed down in August and September. It's because he was physically worn out. Um, the idea of not having to play Travis Darno every game, hopefully keep him as fresh as possible over 162 plus the playoffs is, is obviously important to the front office. And I think why, while they did have to commit a little bit of money to Pena here, I think it's money well spent. And if it means you get a better Travis Darno as well because of it, um, even even more so. I think that's a great point. And then that's what you get from the added profits, the added revenue money to play with from these postseason runs. It's one thing, obviously, to win a championship, but the extra money being there lets you splurge a little bit, as you mentioned, not only adding another bat that you can utilize off the bench and to support Darno, but maybe a ripple effect of that could be Darno being more often at his best moving forward. But I do want to segue into a, another fun conversation, maybe a conversation that brings with it a bit more excitement. Robert Murray, who I think is a very plugged in a news source when it comes to baseball. We talked about it just a second ago. The signing opinion doesn't necessarily signal that the Braves may be looking to include a William Contreras or a Shaylong O'Leary's in a trade, but it was reported while Freddie Freeman remains the number one priority Alex Anthopoulos is working the phones, as we know he likes to do. Scott, when you hear that, and we'll get into a few questions about this, when you hear that, does it surprise you? I mean, to me, I know we're looking at December 1st being that lockout date, but it doesn't surprise me at all. Obviously, it's November when Alex likes to 
maneuver, but also the fact that he's looking to strike strike while the iron's hot to get as much certainty about his team as possible. Yeah, it's an interesting report. As you said, Robert Murray of Fansided, it's it's a brief article that kind of touches on a variety of teams, but um, I don't think it should come as a big surprise that Anthopolis is trying to be aggressive because he historically has been very aggressive in November. He added Josh Donaldson and Brian McCann right around Thanksgiving. Uh, he signed Will Smith and Travis Darnot right around Thanksgiving. And guess what? Thanksgiving is about 10 days away. So this kind of fits in with his M.O. Um, again, not that Manny Pena is a big-time addition to the level of some of those guys, but the fact that he's trying to be aggressive and then you throw in what you just alluded to, the fact that there's a lot of uncertainty with the impending CBA lockout, I think that also plays a factor here. And at the end of the day, the timing is what the timing is. If you add a great player on November 15th, it's the same deal as adding a great player on February 15th. So I guess it's not a surprise that Anthopolis is trying to add. I'm glad. I think this is a good indication that the team is going to be able to spend money. And, and frankly, they should. They just won a World Series, and they're trying to win another one next year. Um, and with, with the playoff revenues and all of that, there really is no reason for this front office not to be all in. Uh, we'll see if he's able to get something done over these next couple of weeks before the lockout begins. But at the very least, it is encouraging to hear that Anthopolis is trying to be aggressive and, and add to a team that already has a lot of talent, but also has some holes that need to be filled. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And something else that stands out to me is that, you know, we talk about the money being there now, Scott, and you would think that would lead to free agent signings. But another thing that kind of stands out from this year is that the Braves have some good prospect depth when it comes to certain groups in the minors. I mean, we talk about Contreras and Longoliers at catcher. Starting pitching-wise, you've got Kyle Muller, you've got Tucker Davidson, Freddie Tarnick, Victor Vodnik, Spencer Strider. In the outfield, you've got Christian Pache, Drew Waters, Michael Harris, among others. I bring those names up, Scott, because that's three different you know, player groups that the you know Braves have some good prospect depth in. You take one player from one group, take another player from another group, you put that pair together, I think you've got a very attractive prospect package. I know Anthopolis really hasn't made huge trades when it comes to multiple prospects in the past. He likes to hang on to them. But if he has any reason to do it, it's now. I do think that that is something to look at, and that's a reason why the Braves could go after perhaps a controllable piece. Do, do you buy the chances of that maybe bigger now than it was in the past? And what type of player profile would make most sense to you if Anthopolis went that route? So it's fascinating to me because Anthopolis, when he came to the Braves in the 2017-2018 offseason, he had a reputation of being this big wheeler and dealer. And in Toronto, he, of course, uh, traded some big-time prospects, including Noah Syndergaard, to get R.A. Dickey, who was coming off a Cy Young Award. Um, he was very aggressive, in, in both for better and worse, I think. And he 
I think he learned from that. And then, of course, he went to Los Angeles as an assistant GM. And then he joins the Braves as this reputation as someone who uh, was very proactive on the trade markets. And he, of course, inherited a very strong farm system. And here we are four years later. And, you know, who is the best prospect that he has traded so far? Colby Allard, once he lost his shine a little bit. Uh, Joey Wentz, who promptly had elbow surgery. I mean, it's remarkable that despite kind of the preconceived notions of how Anthopolis was going to operate, he really has not made that big trade. And that's, I think, fine. And obviously the team has been uh, very good in an on-field product. And hey, they just won a World Series. The guy is doing something right. Um, So we'll see. I mean, I think if you are going to give up prospects, obviously you want to acquire a player, no matter what position, somebody who has multiple years of team control. That's, of course, so important to every team, and especially a, a franchise like the Braves, who are trying to be competitive over the next couple of years. Somebody who fits within that window. As far as a, a position goes, it's it's an interesting uh, situation for the Braves because right now they basically have no outfielders. Now, they will get Ronald Acuna Jr. back at some point in the spring, although you can guarantee they are not going to rush him back from a torn ACL. Who knows what's going to happen with Marcelo Zuna and his suspension and the possibility that the Braves just cut ties entirely. And at least as of recording this, and we're probably jinxing ourselves, and in 20 minutes we're going to get news of one of these free agent outfielders, but we'll see what they do with Adam Duvall and Jock Peterson and Eddie Rosario. So I, I would imagine if, if we're looking for an area where Anthopolis might look to strike, uh, an outfielder probably makes sense. Again, it's tough to really say for sure without knowing what they're thinking with someone like Adam Duvall, who has a year of arbitration left and the health progress of Acuna and Ozuna. Uh, Ozuna. Um, so I would imagine if, if anywhere that might be of interest, of course, they would be interested in another young, controllable starting pitcher although those guys usually come at very high premiums, and I'm not sure Anthopolis would want to meet that price. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be a fascinating offseason. There's a lot of doors open here, and obviously you have a really good core roster in place, and it's about finding that right fit, that right price, and adding some talent that's going to keep you good not only in 2022, but well beyond that. I think that that's another fun thing to remember in regards to just how good the Braves have been, Scott, of being able to improve hitters that have come here. You know, even Marcakis in 2018, Donaldson, Ozuna, Soler, Rosario. But I go back to that Adam Duvall trade where for the type of player that he was in the, in the production that he had prior to 2018, he had fallen off a bit in 2018. The Braves were able to trade, you know, decent prospects, none that materialized. But my point is, is that with the Braves' ability to use their systematic approach to hitters and get hitters that once they get here, they can improve, they may be able to get a very valuable piece without having to pay a premium price because once that piece is here, he's going to be able to produce. That, again, has to be another really exciting thing. Even for someone like a Manny Pena, you could really help him materialize better than you thought he could last year. I think that's another thing that really plays into a factor now that it's been multiple years of proof. That's that's part of the Braves' success story. Yeah, you're absolutely right, especially on the offensive side. They have found ways to get the most out of players. Um, Travis Darno is the shining example of that. He, of course, was a bit of a late bloomer and uh, we, we know he won a silver slugger last year, and despite the injury, he had a really solid year and seemed to find his power a little bit as the playoffs continued on. Uh, 
Uh, you're absolutely right. The Braves' player development is second to none, especially under Anthopolis. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, there, there's a lot of intriguing guys. If you go up and down, uh, like the MLB trade rumors, top 50 free agent list, for example, you can talk yourself into a handful of players who maybe didn't have great years last year, but you think a change of scenery uh, could certainly be helpful. Um, some veteran pitchers as well, who uh, obviously would be a fit with this team that's trying to win another World Series next year. Uh, so we will see again. I, I think the work that Anthopolis and the front office have done, especially recently, is commendable. And hopefully they're able to strike gold and, and maybe find one of those guys who you just alluded to. Uh, someone who maybe didn't have a great year, has a flaw with their swing, something mechanical, whatever it may be. Uh, if they can come to Atlanta and, and strike gold again, that would be uh, that would certainly be a favorable outcome, to be sure. One player that we know certainly does not have a flaw with his swing, and thankfully that's the case, is Freddie Freeman. Obviously, free agent Freddie Freeman, um, you know, we, we've gotten some recent news over the past few days. Bob Nightingale talking about, you know, the idea of, you know, Freddie may be looking at something in the upper hundred millions when it comes to a long-term deal. But today, John Heyman came out and talked about the fact that Freddie's representatives had talked with the New York Yankees. Now, I think it was you, Scott. I, I can't remember. It was someone, but I, I believe it was you. This happens every offseason. This is simply doing due, due diligence. That's what these representatives for players do. I'm not, this doesn't change my thoughts at all of whether or not he's coming back. I still think there's an overwhelming, you know, the overwhelming reality is he's going to come back. What this does tell me, though, is that I do feel that anybody who thinks that it's going to be at a clear hometown discount, I don't think that's the case. Freddie has done everything that's been asked of him, and he has every right to go after what he can go after. I do think that, you know, if offers are similar, it's going to be Atlanta. But that's the thing I take away from this. You're not getting Freddie Freeman on the Goldschmidt type deal. You're probably looking at six to seven years, the upper 100 millions. But the main takeaway from the news today is that clear hometown discount we would all love for him to take. I just don't think that's a reality. And that is more than fair for what Freeman has offered. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if, if Freddie's agent wasn't reaching out to the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Angels and the Red Sox, the big spenders in Major League Baseball, uh, Freddie should fire his agent, quite honestly. Uh, that's natural. It's part of the process. You're absolutely right. Every team is going to meet with basically every agent at some point this offseason. That is the nature of offseasons. You never know when a player may not be on your radar early in the winter suddenly becomes a fit later on. You, you just can't predict what moves are going to come. Um, I agree. I, I just don't see Freddie Freeman being a New York Yankee. I, mean, I see him as an Atlanta Brave. If there's one or two teams that worry me, it's going to be the Southern California teams, um, particularly the Dodgers or the Angels, uh, just because he is, of course, from Southern California. He has some family there. Uh, but at the same time, Freddie has spent the last 15 years of his life, basically his entire adult life, with the Braves organization living somewhere in the Southeast. Um, you know, Brad and I talked about this a little bit. He is, of course, a very rich man and is going to be an even richer man here over the next couple of months. Um, we obviously are, are not friends with the Freeman family. I, I don't know their dynamic, but something tells me that if Freddie needs to fly out a family member from Southern California for a couple of weeks, he can make that happen. No problem. Um, I, I think everyone around the game expects Freddie to come back. We would all be stunned. I mean, truly stunned. This is not a situation where it's like, well, it makes sense for him to return, but we'll see. It would be stunning for Freddie not to return. I think everyone expects it to happen. 
Um, but that's the nature of free agency. You get to be uh, you get to be wined and dined around the league and, and see what other teams think you're worth. And hey, Freddie deserves every dollar that he's going to get paid. Uh, and if having some conversations with some of the other big spenders in the league mean that Freddie gets another year or a couple million dollars more, I, I think it's money well spent. Um, usually you have to overpay just a little bit for a free agent, especially the really good ones. And at the end of the day, it's just hard to imagine this offseason ending without Freddie Freeman as an Atlanta Brave. I agree completely. But, of course, I know that this is a Braves podcast, Scott, but we also can't go without talking about one of our favorite division rivals. The big news also out of New York today, um, all these Braves moves now may even not be worth it because the New York Mets have finally found their new general manager, it seems. Former New York Yankees assistant general manager and former Angels general manager, Billy Epler. I'm being facetious here, but I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, it has been more of a, I don't want to be too mean and say embarrassment, but it certainly has shown that the New York Mets job has been not been desired like many thought it could be um, with how many people have denied the chance to go after it. But Billy Epler, back in New York, um, he had a reputation, a pretty good one when he was with the Yankees, but your thoughts on him landing the Mets job um, and being their new GM for the present and future. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's not an inspiring hire, at least on the surface. Now, maybe his connections and just kind of knowing. It, it is true that the New York atmosphere and media is a different animal than basically everywhere, everywhere else, but at the end of the day, you know, Billy Epler had Mike Trout in the middle of his prime when he was with the Angels for six seasons, and they were 44 games below 500, which is astonishing. And as good as Mike Trout is, nobody expects him to single-handedly carry a team. But if you're telling me that you have Mike Trout in the middle of his prime, and I, I believe when Epler was the general manager, the Angels never made the playoffs. Uh, as I just said, they were 44 games below 500 during his tenure. Uh, it's not that hard to win 81 games in a baseball season, especially when a third of the league is seemingly uh, trying to lose or trying to trade away assets. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, so it's, it's funny. Sometimes the GM hires that are uh, not overly exciting to begin with turn out to be really good and Sometimes GM hires where everyone is over the moon about three years in, they're out of a job. Uh, but at least to me on the surface, I, I thought it was a pretty, uh, frankly, not great hire. We'll see what he does with the, with the Mets roster. They have a lot of turnover that could happen. Um, but it's not as if they just landed like David Stearns from the Brewers, for example, who was a, a top candidate who said no. Um, I really don't think much is going to change with Epler, but we will see. Maybe he he took a little bit away from his failures with the Angels, and now he's going to fix up the Mets. But that is a a tough job, one that needs really a lot of overhaul, in my opinion, of that organization. And, and we'll see what comes of it. And to be honest, hopefully that overhaul ta- takes a decade or two, to, to be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> All kidding aside, um, my name obviously is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC. You can find Scott Coleman at ScottColeman55. Um, I I will not speak for Scott, but I will say again, every opportunity that I'm going to get, I'm going to take. Thank you so much for everyone that has been listening to the show over the past 
few months your support we can't thank you enough words can't express you know at least on my end how you know appreciative we are of the support that we are getting also just to throw out a little bit of an outlook through the daily hammer we will be with you a couple of times a week bringing you the latest on news around the major league baseball obviously as it pertains to the braves some fun interviews some fun themes as well and scott and you and brad and eric's end i know that y'all the major moves obviously will be doing these type of podcasts breaking them down but what can folks look forward to as far as timing during the week and things like that what can they look forward to when it comes to the flagship show the talking chop podcast with you and brad and eric yeah absolutely i echo uh, what you just said sean we really do appreciate all of the support and all of our both longtime listeners and also the new listeners who who jumped aboard especially during that crazy world series run uh yeah it's never a slow time in the off season hopefully even with the uh, pending lockout, we're going to have a lot of news to talk about. Um, you know, the running joke is is that we would do a podcast, and inevitably, within like 24 hours, a big deal goes down. So uh, we never can predict the future, but it, it's funny how that works out. Uh, we'll do some look back. We'll continue to enjoy all of those incredible moments from the playoff run. Uh, we'll do some player both look back and look aheads. And then, of course, any roster news and, and rumors and trades and all of those good things. Um, you know, as great as the long baseball season is, you do have four plus months of an off season, and we work to get as much content as possible. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Be sure to check out, of course, Daily Hammer right here a couple times a week and then the road to Atlanta as well. Uh, that is a tremendous resource focused on the minor leagues of the Atlanta Braves, learning about who those next stars are going to be within the organization Uh, We really do appreciate everyone tuning in and downloading and telling their friends. And uh, here's hoping it was it was a nice early uh, signing today with Manny Pena. And here's hoping we have more to talk about here soon. Absolutely agree. And and also, of course, while, you know, we, uh, you know, all of us here, myself, Scott, um, Eric, Brad, and others, we enjoy doing the podcast side of things. Make sure you also, you know, I know that there's not games and there's not just major news every day, but player reviews, a great group uh, of writers, you know, myself and Scott, we enjoy doing it as well. Great group of writers over at TalkingChop.com. You've got Battery Power with Grant McCauley, as well as Corey McCartney. Um, every week they're doing their shows as well. Wherever you choose to enjoy getting your news from, Talking Chop is likely there. So make all check it out all of it at TalkingChop.com and at Talking Chop across all forms of social media. For Scott Coleman, Scott, it was a pleasure once again. Thank you so much for, for coming on, and I look forward to doing it with you again here soon. Absolutely, Sean. Thank you, and uh, take care. Yep. Scott Coleman, my name's Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon here on The Daily Hammer. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. 
Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.